0: Welcome to episode 45 of Expanding Beyond. Uh, it's been a while, uh, there were holidays and stuff happening, so sorry for the longer delay, but we are back. Hey, Monica, how are you doing?
1: Hello. Yeah, I think it's... As you said to me the other day, I, I think we need to reevaluate our uh, effort here. Uh, it, it has been fun and I want for it to stay fun. And it, every single time we do it, it's still extremely fun. But for some reasons lately, we haven't been that regular. So um, I just don't want it to be for this podcast to become yet another burden in our lives. Uh, So, but it always gives me a kick recording. So uh, no matter how infrequent that is. So thank you all for your patience and for still listening to us. And every now and then there's a couple of people that write to me. I was like, hey, but there's, there's no episode this week. So I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you are the ones for which I'm doing this beside me and Orban, of course.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is great to hear.
1: I'm doing very well. For the second year in a row, I'm spending my summer in Italy. So I came here last week. The plan is to stay here until September. So, so far, I'm enjoying the warm but not extremely hot weather. Uh, The Mm -hmm, sun out there. Yes, yes and um, i'm starting to get out and have a lot of food Uh, also a lot of mosquitoes so yeah there's that part but i always forgot about uh forget about uh, talking about it so you might hear some slapping noise during this recording
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is true yeah how are you doing good so we were actually also on holiday for a bit just two weeks scandinavia Norway at 12 degrees in June ah. and stuff like that but yeah it was nice still
1: I can hear the satisfaction in your voice
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someday someday we'll degrees. move somewhere to Scandinavia instead of going south yes um that's about it um
1: what was notable for you during this past few weeks
0: so I don't know if it was during the past few weeks but since the last episode came out I there were actually two episodes released on different podcasts that I was on. So that were the highlights for my side, basically. So the number one is the one with one of the Ruby, I don't know, grandfathers, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> he, he's developed Oh My Z-Shell as well. Uh, That's Robbie Russell. So jealous, man. Yeah, he does the maintainable podcast. So I was on that and talked about what I think about maintainable software, what makes Mm -hmm. it software maintainable, what are the issues. Yeah, we talked about also about my time as a manager and how I went back and all that stuff. And the second one is the Code with Jason podcast. That was even more broad and we talked about anything about uh, i mentioned above also about autism and sci-fi books (laughs) and everything that was my favorite part (laughs) and bass cut and bass guitar playing the bass guitar yeah that's also something we both do so that was a lot of fun to record yeah
1: i listened to both and uh i found them very interesting uh, partially because of course i know you so you know like it's uh yeah look i know him I know, he's famous now. And <laughs> <laughs> what I think is extremely valuable for both those podcasts, uh, that incidentally, uh, you you talked about it in, in both, I think. How you talked about being a manager, so going into management and then uh, deciding that it wasn't for you and uh, going back to being an, un- an individual contributor, but at the same time, basically with, with a kick on top like mm-hmm. now you know how how it works on the other side what are the compromises what are the conversations and that makes you a better individual contributor because you have that context
0: yeah yeah i think the big big thing there is that you realize managers also don't really know no more than no. you do and <laughs> it's not like you ha- can uh, sort of take their 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 decisions as gospel it's just They make the best decision that they can, but they are also not foolproof and they can make mistakes and you just have to work together with them instead of saying, hey, but that person needs to do that or this for me and they, why aren't they? And stuff like that, yeah.
1: I can't say that often enough. It's like, there was also a a thread today on Twitter uh, started by Gergely um, where he was, he took the, you know, the latest news about uh, Elon Musk uh, deciding not to buy Twitter to say, like, you know, guys, that's just another example. This person has no idea what he's doing, it's just winging it. And that is very, very true. Uh, very often, like, we, 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 we live in our heads. Mm-hmm. And we know about all the details of our, of our struggles and our, our doubts and uh, our, um, how unsure we are about x or y or how our decisions, like what should I do, let's flip a coin. And we don't see that happening in others, but that is what they are going through as well, all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly
1: is this, you know, like this, uh, the curse of being the protagonist of your own movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and that is, uh, yes, so definitely that that's another aspect of um, being a manager and being in that position and realizing that, you know, like, I, I think I also told this uh, once, at least in, in this podcast, like, now that I am in this position, I go back and I remember what my uh, former manager was doing in certain occasions, and I was like, ah, that's why he did that, because I am in the exact same position as him, and now I can recognize, like, okay, he had no idea what he was doing, he's just picked a road it's like picked one of the two streets departing from here and like, okay, let's go in that direction because who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just important to pick a direction and go yes. instead of just doing nothing. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Picking a direction is better than not doing it. Like basically fundamental, what, what you are doing throughout your life is trying to be more right than wrong, but the chances of you being... right are very slim, my man. So (laughs) if you get to 60, that's already something. (laughs) Uh, So, there, I I found that very valuable uh, out of those uh, two episodes, those two recordings. And yeah, that's the sound of Italy for you guys Uh, (laughs) (laughs) mopeds. And the other thing that I found valuable or that I think can be inferred from, from your conversations is that very much still people, especially more junior people perceive becoming a manager as the next step in their career. The dude is really having fun now. And, and that is not necessarily the next step. It's like you're picking a different career and going back and forth between the two is nothing to be ashamed of. It's, in a way, it's kind of sad that it's sometimes it's still or most of the times yet yeah, still is being reflected in your salary. I definitely see some very senior engineers in my team doing, I mean, they definitely deserve the same pay as a first time manager. They are handling the same kind of complexity, the same kind of inputs and managing the team just as well. That sometimes still your salary as a manager is necessarily uh, higher than the one of someone else with the same kind of experience. But on the individual contributor uh, track is is a bit sad. It, it, it,
0: yeah, but I think it is slowly changing. Yes. Right. With all this stuff, engineer. Uh, thing f- finally taking off and someone actually giving it a name so you can talk about it.
1: I think, you know, like it goes back to what the infamous uh, estimation about complexity that we talk about when we you know, look at um, uh, estimations for our sprints and our work. The compensation should be measured again, the complexity against the complexity that you that you deal with. I mean, for sure, an early manager does, does handle more complexity than an early senior man, uh, senior uh, engineer. But when we're talking about very senior people, it's not that different, actually. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's that. So peeps, listen to those two uh, episodes. They're worth it.
0: Thank you. All right. What about on your side?
1: On my side, so um, there was a, a first-time experience for me. And on my side, it was for the first time, because I was lucky enough in my life not to have to deal with that. Before, we had to do layoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> before, I never, ever had to fire someone. I mean, not, not in the harsh way. There were mm-hmm. people that I remember with my, with my band manager, we assessed and we said, okay... If they decide to go we're not gonna fight that much to to keep them you know like whatever happens happens it's what one of the directors I work with right now calls uh, natural attrition was like this is just people that are not not in line not in tune with the company mm-hmm. either because they are just who they are and the company is what it is or because the company is going through some changes and What worked for a company of 20 doesn't work for a company of 100. And this creates a mismatch in expectations from the people that are predefined with being in a company of 20, but not fine with being in a company of 100. And then there's that.
0: For our American listeners, I guess we have to explain how that stuff works in, (laughs) in Europe and that firing people is actually a very difficult thing to do. Oh, yes. So... If someone sort of decides to just go somewhere else, you've basically avoided a lot of red tape and a lot of months of uh, negotiation. Yes. <laughs> right. Basically. So, this is sort of the the ideal outcome, basically. Yes. On this side. Yeah.
1: Like, it's less expensive to wait for someone to go. Or if you really want someone to be gone, it's better to just have a private agreement and say, guy, lady, we're going to pay you three months, six months, depending what it is, you just go away tomorrow.
0: That's yeah. it. So the three to six months of paid leave yeah. is easier than firing someone.
1: <laughs> yes, because in Europe, in most of the countries in Europe, what happens is that you can fire someone past a certain size of your company only if this person is at fault and you have to prove it like literally you have to have um three warnings plus uh i don't know records of what this person has done testimonials witnesses and whatnot or uh your company is going through some um issues with um its finances and then you can make your team smaller but you cannot hire for the same position afterwards so Mm -hmm. It's a tricky one, that one, like you can still go to the whatever government agency you have in your country and say, hey, listen, we're really not going to make it. If we keep it this way, then we're going to fire people and we're going to also change here and there And like that. that that's not going to work. So it's very, very hard. And that's why it's also not that common to have this kind of experience. If you are in a company that is, that is I think, past like 20 people. It's, uh, it's really difficult. And when I started working, it was already... I started working in 2009. So I was already, like, the bottom. The crisis of two- 2008 had already hit. And from there, it was just, you know, like, downhill. It was like, wee This is so much easier to find a job now. And uh, uh, companies make a shitload of money and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like... What's happening right now? It's happening. So uh, inflation, panic on the markets, uh, venture capitalists and investors that are not that open anymore uh, to lend uh, and to invest. Um, so it's much harder to get uh, rounds of uh, uh, of investment. Also, runways for for companies. Like you, you still have to consider that your finances what what worked six months ago because. Inflation was not the thing, for example, mm-hmm. uh, costs were far lower. I mean, we're in software, so we're kind of lucky because we don't have that many fixed costs in terms of like equipment, that kind of stuff. Um, but that is reflecting on everything on from things that are basic, like paper um, <laughs> to uh, um, we all know it by now, fuel and, and stuff like that. So. Uh, what happened was that um, for the first time in my life, I, I experienced something like this. It was, it was a bit of a roller coaster mm-hmm. and what helped me through it was that, so I am one of those that weren't, wasn't laid off, guess what, but I, I had people in my team that uh, had to be let go. And I had people that had to be moved to other teams to um, staff those teams. Mm-hmm. What, what helped me a little bit was really taking things as they were. It's understandable. The way they explained it to us made perfect sense from an, an economical perspective. It was like, hey, listen, our investors are asking us. We want to have this many years of runway uh, if we want to have a chance to get a new round of investment next, next year we have to consider this this and that i, I cannot go into details of course so that's why i'm uh, skipping a lot but uh, so there were a couple of things that they told us and from an economical perspective it definitely makes sense and this is something that again i'm grateful to my former manager to have made me to made me realize, he made me realize this uh, in it was a bit shocking because I was naive, but that was it. If there's no company, there's no jobs. So in the end, especially as a manager, it is your responsibility to make sure that the company survives. It's it's not always about greed, um, or at least not not at all levels. It's it's literally about like, if the company is not there, there are no jobs. So then everybody is out of jobs.
0: And uh, additionally, if you're looking at startups, as an employee, you really need to figure out how secure your job has to be for yes. you because there's always the risk right i mean the, the the earlier startup is and various factors have to be factored in if you can sort of fit that in your life right now to say and that's sort of for me has changed in recent years right with the family mm-hmm. and a uh, mortgage for a house to pay i'm getting more picky at what companies are considering basically
1: that was another realization for me. I was lucky enough. I always talked about working for a startup before, right? But let's be honest, Freeletics was past the stage of being a startup um, mm. for quite some time. Like when I joined, yes, sure. But after the second round of investment, I mean, the 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 company has been around for almost 10 years and it has a steady income of uh, subscriptions so the company can maintain itself, uh, can survive. So the job is actually quite was, at least uh, until I left, was quite secure because like we knew that, that the company was doing well. And, uh, and then I moved to this other company with the same mindset in a way. But now, in hindsight, I was like, ah, but no, that's actually a risky operation. One thing that I disagree with or disagree, I, I don't share, at least not here in Europe again. Um, so we have a new CTO uh, at Kaya and uh, he's from the States. He's from the um, Bay Area, I think. And when he was talking to us, he made exactly this point when he was talking to us about this uh, needed layoffs And it's like, hey, we are in a startup. People have to realize that, you know, high risk, high rewards. High risk, yes. High rewards, eh. it depends. (laughs) It depends a lot on the company and the kind of success that you can expect from the company. And that I found myself to be very ignorant, actually, about uh, what it means to have stocks, uh, stock options, what it means to have uh, virtual shares, blah, blah, blah. What are the consequences of those things? And starting reflecting, do I want to be, do I want to have more of that? Or should I, I, I found out that someone um, in their negotiations uh, during uh, hiring said explicitly, I was like, no, I don't want any stocks. I prefer a fixed salary, higher salary. I don't want any stocks. To me, I didn't even think about it. But that makes so much sense.
0: Yeah, yeah that's also what what I probably would have done. I mean, I've never worked anywhere where stock options were a possibility or whatever they are called I also have no idea virtual but shares sort in of
1: Europe, I think
0: having getting actually the uh, sort of not getting the money is basically a bet in a way right and it's yeah. questionable how how far you want to go with that and the securest thing is always having the money every month right?
1: yes it it has a lower return of course, I mean, we all know that, um, but that's the whole point. Like it depends on your profile uh, or on, on your risk profile. And when I, when I joined Freeletics, there was not the option of having uh, stock options because the company was completely owned by the, by the, invest- uh, by their, the founders. The company was bootstrapped, so they had no, no ties to anyone. But then at some point when, when we started to, to have um, investors, uh, then the the opportunity of having virtual shares materialized and and uh, the company actually distributed those without even asking in the sense of like hey we want to make you part of of this but it was in addition to the salary we negotiated so that was another uh, another thing that I started realizing this time around oh no that that was in the original package that I accepted there were shares of the company so aha uh-huh. that's that's what it means right mm-hmm. uh, so all these little moments of um uh, of truth <laughs> in these days but as i said like, what what made me go uh what made me able to to survive this couple of weeks was the fact that again rationally it made sense so i didn't feel like there was unfairness also in the plan that that we were presented but also talking with a friend of mine that he told me went through uh, two rounds of layoffs in different companies. But in mm. both cases, he did. Uh, when I described to him what happened, it was like, no, "You don't like you don't need to be upset because there. First of all, there's no way to make this right. It's really it's really impossible because there is logistic um, involved." Uh, to make this something that doesn't catch people by surprise. But it's it's also pretty standard because there are legal reasons for which you cannot, for example, keep someone um, uh, longer or you have to tell them at the very last minute or you have to have a very short um, call. Like... You cannot have a a deep heart-to-heart conversation as a manager with the person that you are laying off because there might be liabilities. There might be so many things. So first thing that is the most important thing is to cut ties as neatly as possible. It has to be as surgical as possible. And then after that, you can reach out. But then it's out of the out of the legal boundaries and Mm -hmm. and then it's uh it's safe uh to do so for example um this was a decision that our uh senior management took as line managers we weren't the one telling the people in our team that um they would be uh laid off
0: okay so you could be the good guys then after
1: exactly so i think partially was because of that i mean it's As you can imagine, it is a tough thing to do. Exactly also because you have to follow this script. Uh, You cannot say anything. And that is very um, unempathic, if that is an English word, uh, even. Knowing the people that I know around me, that's not what they would have liked to do. In a way, it's a bit inhuman. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to define it. Uh, But it is what it is. And then we were actually suggested as like, guys, see if you want to reach out to these people within their, the boundaries that they want to keep. Uh, There might not be someone, I mean, there might be someone that doesn't want, but uh, try to check in on them. So that's what I did. Uh, I had the the opportunity to um, connect with one of the guys in my team that uh, was let go. And, and then we talked a little bit and uh, actually put, uh, like, I saw that someone in my network was looking for a mobile engineer. So I was like, okay, maybe this works, blah, blah. And like me, others uh, have done. So maybe I'm rationalizing this, but um, I, I was, it, it kind of make sense. The other thing that helped me was that I had uh, two other engineer managers in my team that, in, in, yes, in the engineering stuff uh, round that were going through the same thing. And we really relied on each other uh, for those moments of, uh, you know, like frustration or mm-hmm. anger or uh, not understanding. So I had someone that could, in a way, uh, grieve with me. And helped me process emotions. I'm, I'm very grateful to them uh, for, for this, for, for listening to me. I remember clearly one day uh, writing something in our chat, uh, something along the lines like, who wants to hear me scream for like five minutes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so that, that I think made us uh, also stronger uh, as a uh, as a team of 3 uh, it's a uh, it, it was an interesting experience uh let's put it this way but i was also very angry and I, I, again i think it's my way of processing what what happened uh, i replayed whatever happened uh, in different scenarios for like a week But maybe we could have done this, but maybe we could have handled it this other way. But maybe, but I couldn't find any way to make it less hurtful or less uh, sudden without endangering other things. So I was like, I I think that helped me make peace with it. Not that I like it, but still.
0: Yeah. All right. So you have experienced it now once from this side.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, it's still a very limited experience because I was basically given a few options. Or like, hey, there's this configuration of a team, this other configuration. That was interesting to see, and I still want to have a talk with. I, I haven't gone deep into the details uh, with with my manager and uh, our new CTO, but I would like to go through them because I think it's a it's a very valuable experience to learn from. So I want to understand what was their rationale for deciding to do this instead of that, etc. Like how how did they move around for for doing that? At least I can get some indirect experience out of this. What what they did was um, I think this was done in concert with uh, with of course other other managers in in departments that are very close to us. Um, they have tried to figure out how to cover the most important part of the of the company business like what is the core what are the things that we are betting on yeah so really like shedding all the vague bets and um risky business all that fluff that in a way creates craft a little bit like technical technical debt that that gets created around the business. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. but this is also a good opportunity. Oh, we should definitely expire that. Oh, we should definitely do that. And it's, um, it's just as expensive as technical debt. <laughs> Guess what? So the what happened was that, so we had, I think at some point we had like eight teams. None of, not all of those teams were actually fully staffed. Mm-hmm. So it was also very hard for them to actually achieve their goals achieve their objectives so basically there was a rally to um what was really needed so out of eight teams we became five Mm -hmm. and another interesting aspect to everything was that we had an imbalance between ios and android we had many more and we still have many more uh ios engineers than android because back then when we were still growing a lot and we were planning to hire the Pipeline for iOS was faster. Okay. It was, it it got warmer, much faster than the Android one. So we managed to actually, my my team had three iOS engineers because my plan was like, okay, out of, I will have more redundancy in my team. So instead of two people per platform, I'm going to have three. And then I'm going to carve out a small team that that can, uh, can start creating, can start manning another project. Another area of uh, of the business. Um, Well, it didn't happen. Guess what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that was another criteria that was used to decide how to rebalance those those teams and and how to address uh, things so for example one of the criteria that i used was i figured out i while talking and interviewing with one of the engineers in my team that he told me like oh in the past i did android but now i'm doing ios but I, you know like i still want to go back to android i i like to go between one and the other you know like exactly the pendulum between manager and ic he is doing the pendulum between mobile technologies
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh, i remembered about that and that was what helped me saying guys i can for example we i can help another team i can move one of the android guys in my team to another to another one because i do have somewhat a little bit of redundancy on on android i don't really need necessarily two people i can still do with one and a half right so it was interesting to see also how you again the the role-playing game kind of thing comes back like how do i how do i staff my squad here um <laughs> right like what what kind of classes do i need <laughs> yeah. so yeah
0: yeah i mean if you wanted to find something positive uh you could argue that having to focus on a few things is actually advantageous. Uh, So we are sort of experiencing this a bit here as well with, hey, let's build this and let's build this. And then everyone forgets about maintaining it afterwards. And then you end up with many more projects than would actually be necessary. But no one is really comfortable at this point cutting them out, right? And saying, hey, but this is a project we actually need to discontinue now.
1: Because again, as humans we don't like to let go of things and um, it becomes someone someone's pet project or this um, sunken cost fallacy. It's like oh but we have already spent this many months. Why not uh, wrapping it up or why not why discontinuing it? That is gonna be lost money. It's gonna be lost money anyways. It's just gonna slowly drip out of your pockets uh, and you don't realize. So, yes, I do hope that uh, it's going to bring more focus for Rio. I think that the, the company has still to fully realize what that means. I think we're still trying to bite a little bit too much. But as you all know, I'm a pessimist. So <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but I seldom am. So. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I was, uh, I, I, I nicknamed myself Cassandra, like in yep. my previous job? <laughs> so yeah, now I have also this experience under my belt. I remember back in the day, someone uh, reading about someone uh, that was saying, you know, like if someone has never fired anyone, that that's still a very green manager. I guess I'm a little less green, not that I really fire them, but get what I mean. And now that we are about to close the episode, mm-hmm. it's suddenly very quiet.
0: Yes, I'm I'm in the background I'm I'm negotiating <laughs> with kids about uh, T V and stuff. On WhatsApp. That's what no, that's... day and age we're on.
1: That's fantastic because we were recording the first part and I had um, a roommate of my boyfriend and my boyfriend in the kitchen making coffee so talking, making a lot of noise and then the moped and then the dogs yes, and then I can
0: already see the Italian landscape in the I... background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're gonna to touch a picture to this episode so everybody can see what what I'm looking at out of the window right now.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, so I this week, has been the third week since I knew. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had one week in which I was told that something like this would happen. And then we had one week in which we had just to wait. Uh, I can talk about it next time, maybe, about that period. It was an interesting one. And now it's been two weeks uh, since we uh, let people go. And I have to say that the first week was seriously terrible for me. Like... I I my energy was at the lowest I've had for quite some time. And I could see that also the team. Like there are people that cope better with uh just working, but most of the people you have no idea how quiet the Slack was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not a peep. Gifts, no messages here and there. So I guess that like me, many other managers have just said to their people, like, you know what, like just take the week like whatever. If you want to work, work, if you don't want to work, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like this week is basically gone. Like there's no point in trying to go through this as if nothing happened. So, yeah, but also
0: because you don't really know how how, how it's going to play out, right? Yeah.
1: Yes. And especially in in modern companies like ours where we do want people to build meaningful relationships with each other. I mean, you have people that have I mean, I had someone in my team that was on holiday on the day we actually announced the layoffs. I created a meeting for my team after the official announcement so that we could process the thing together and, and they could ask questions. I could try to answer whatever whatever I could. And this person showed up. And I was like, how do you know? It's like, yeah, I, I'm a friend with someone from the States and they just sent me a message. And it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This is happening. So... In a modern company, like, there are people that are friends. And so keeping this a secret or it's not gonna work.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) But this week, both myself, I feel better and I can tell that my energy is going back to normal. Uh, I can tell that the buzz is starting to be back um, a little bit and also I hope, um, at least this is what the guys on my... I, I always say guys because they're literally all guys. So <laughs> the guys in my team uh, are are being uh, transparent about their concerns with me. But it also feels like there is more energy on their side and, and more hope about what we can do uh, for, for the future. So I think all in all, it was a shock. Yes, uh, and it was hard and it still is hard. But we are doing what we can to help the people that we actually let go. We had collected, we have collected addresses. We have put people in contact with other companies and whatnot. Yeah, so I think we're going to get there.
0: All right. So with that, I don't know, maybe not high, but also not low note, uh, let's finish. Where can people find you on the internet, Monica?
1: People can find me on Twitter at uh, KFMolly with an I and uh on my website monicag.me and there you can find a bunch of other ways to reach out to me gitlab github you name it where can people find you or fun find-
0: they can also find me on twitter as ejh for some inexplicable reason also on linkedin <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe it's the age where linkedin is becoming my social <laughs> network i don't know what's happening uh, <laughs> And if you want to reach out, if you want to uh, ask questions that we should talk about, uh, if you have topic suggestions or anything, you can reach us via email at hosts at expandingbeyond.it.
1: All work and no play. Take <laughs> Urban dull <and doll> boy.
0: <laughs> Apparently, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, have a good evening, people. See you next time.
0: Bye-bye.